0: different hospital visit, and then I was coming back, I said I need some lunch, and then they just put in a Hardee's in, in Hamilton, and, and I haven't had Hardee's for years, and I thought, well, I wonder if I, what Hardee's is like, and so I should have known that the one car ahead of me, it literally took them five minutes to take their order, and so I should have known, but after I had waited in line for 30 minutes... I just finally pulled out a line and went to McDonald's, amen? Back to the capital of America. <laughs> went back to my roots. And uh, I was a good boy, though, instead of eating my favorite Big Mac, you know, two all-beef patties, special sausage, cheese, pickles, onions, and a sesame seed bun, I went with chicken. I uh, was good. And I uh, was a little frustrated, but that's all right. And tonight I uh, came and started service. I looked up at the new screen to read the words and I couldn't read them. realized I didn't have my glasses. And so I went, and, instead of shaking hands, went into my office. They weren't in my office. They were still in my Jeep. And uh, so, uh, and then I don't get Mike and Kate, Lee, Kate Lynn straight. And so please just be patient with me tonight. If, if it seems like I said something wrong, I probably did. And uh, if it was on something important, just point it out af- afterwards and I will. Uh, correct the record next week. I'll do the best I can. should be in Ephesians chapter 5. Last week we started a, a new Sunday night uh, series on rightful authority, how to use it, how to follow it. Uh, it's not a fancy subject, uh, not a subject that causes people to sit up and say, wow, I'd like to learn about that. Uh, today I went by a sign It said America in Prophecy uh, Conference. And I thought to myself, well, people will show up for that and then they're going to have to make stuff up to teach on it. America's not in prophecy. The Bible's centered around the Middle East. They're going to have to make Babylon some type of something in America or talk about something from the eagle. But people will show up for that. Uh, The stuff we're going to talk about, it's not fancy like that. It's not exciting. But honestly, if, if you and I, if we take and... Put the things from this series uh, in our life, in our family, in our marriage, in our home, the workplace, in, in, in the church. It will really make a big difference in, in, in the kind of quality life we're uh, blessed to live here and how well we follow the Lord. Most, all, most, if not all, of our problems in our marriages, in our homes, and in our culture are in some way a problem with authority. Authority is the power to command, to enforce laws, to exact obedience, to judge a situation as being right or wrong. And last week we basically, we spent the whole message laying the foundation for all rightful authority. God is our creator. (laughs) And since God is our creator, he makes the rules, not us. Now, because God is a Creator, He has the right to command man to uh, replenish the earth and have dominion over uh, everything that's on the earth. He has the right to decide that everything He created is very good. He has the right to decide what man's diet would be and what the animal's diet would be. And if God wanted to rest on the Sabbath day and set it apart, He can do that. He's God. He's the Creator. He's the rightful authority. Most of us here, as I mentioned last week, we don't have a problem with that. Though we struggle practically from time at times with God's authority. But remember, since no one can audibly hear God today and no one can visibly see God, uh, God has delegated some of his authority into this book something we can see and that we can hear, and so that we can know what God's will is and so that we can submit to His authority if we would choose to do so. And most of us here, we don't have a problem with the idea that we have an inerrant, infallible, inspired, preserved book from God that describes God's will and lets us know what God's authority is in a situation. Here's the problem. In this book, where God delegated some of His authority, God delegated some of His authority to some people in some situations. And we do have a problem with that because there are no perfect people since the Lord Jesus returned to heaven. We hate the word submission. I hope you grasp as a Christian that there is an unbreakable link between humility and submission. And so we're going to begin tonight to talk about who God has delegated some of His authority to, and then we'll spend a few weeks talking about how that authority is supposed to be used if you're in one of those situations, and how it's supposed to be followed if you're in one of those situations. And as I said earlier, I get this is not uh, exciting. I'm, I'm sure people miss on purpose. But this is really, this is a foundational thought for a healthy life as a Christian and as a human being. Let me ask you tonight, do you want to follow the authority of God in your life? And if you do, then you have to ask yourself this question. Okay, where has God delegated some of His authority? Go ahead and stand, if you would, in honor of the Word of God. The title of my thought tonight is The Authority of God in Our Homes. The Authority of God in Our Homes. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Thank You, you might be seated. So we think about the authority of God that he delegated in a home. The first place we see God's authority in the home is the authority of a husband over his own wife. That authority comes from God. Now, though this is often one of the most hated and ignored portions of the New Testament, wives are told to submit themselves to their own husbands. This was not Paul's chauvinism. This was not the Jewish or Roman culture of the day. This was a commandment from God that causes a husband and wife to picture the relationship that Jesus has with His church. This is not the submission of all women to all men, either inside or outside the church. This is the submission of a wife, did you read it there, to her own husband. In fact... This has a very high standard associated with this. Did you notice that? In verse 22, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. To me, it is a very sad testimony to Christ and to the Scriptures that Christians claim to believe that this order in our marriage is so frequently ignored, the source of so many jokes And so many Christian leaders have caved to the pressures of our culture to ignore this. And sadly, you may not agree with this observation, but as I would observe, people who have been married, the longer they have been married, oftentimes the less they follow this order in the home. I'll say amen there. In fact, this is such an important foundational instruction on rightful authority that God repeated it a couple of times. Uh, Go ahead, back to you can keep your hand there. Go back to Colossians chapter 3. Listen, it's one thing to say, I want to follow the authority of God, and then something else to take the time to figure out what that authority wants. Where has He delegated it? Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit. That means appropriate or proper in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Be not bitter against them. Uh, Go back to Titus chapter 2. You don't have to keep that in Colossians. We'll go back to Ephesians in a moment. By the way, I'm just teaching the Bible and I'm always amazed that people get mad at me for teaching the Bible. And uh, I, listen, I have no authority to establish the authority in anybody's home. I am just teaching what our Creator established as authority in a marriage. Uh, in Titus chapter 2, verse 3, it says, "...the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine." teachers of good things. Now that's how the aged women are supposed to behave. That they may. So those are qualifications for an older woman to teach a younger woman. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Now that's almost a cuss word. Obey. Obey. So it's got four letters. (laughs) It's a dirty word, but that's what's taught. See, this order in the marriage, and you can go back to uh, to Ephesians, this order in marriage has nothing to do with church tradition. It has nothing to do with their culture then or our culture now. It has nothing to do with anything other than the fact that God established that order. By the way, I wish that every husband who just perked up when I taught that, would be here for when I teach on how to use rightfully authority over your wife. I will just simply say this. You are not the authority in your home to do what you want to do in the home. <laughs> uh, God made you to the authority in the home to do what He wants done in the home and the way He wants it done. And He began His instruction with how it's supposed to be done with husbands. Love your wives even as Christ also loved the church. Very clear. In the Scripture, God has delegated some of His authority to a husband in the marriage relationship. Now, when it comes to marriage, God teaches us how a wife should interact with her own husband, and then He says to every woman, you pick the man you're going to treat like that for the rest of your life. By the way, that's a pretty good deal. God says, this is how I want this relationship to work. And then you decide who you want to be in that kind of a relationship with. By the way, if you're here and you're a young lady and you're not married yet, I hope that one of the things that you've decided in your heart is that you are never going to pick a man to marry whose authority and leadership you refuse to follow. And if you're here and you're a lady and you're already married, what I would say to you is to do everything you can to help your husband become a better leader because whether you realize it or not, we'll cover this in the coming weeks, you have a lot of influence over the kind of leader your husband is going to be. As I said, I didn't pick this. Our creator and the author of the institution of marriage very clearly established this order in our home. The reason a husband has authority over his own wife is simply this, God said so. This is not the authority of a greater over a lesser. This is not the authority of the smarter over the dumber. This is not even the authority of the more spiritual over the less spiritual. Uh, This is one equal submitting to another equal because God said to do so. By the way, you're not going to live very long and know very many people before you walk away and say, you know what, she's smarter than her husband and she's more spiritually minded. But that's not what this is about. It is one equal submitting to another equal because God established that order in a marriage relationship. Listen, when God did this, He knew that there would be no perfect husband. In fact, that's one of the reasons this is so hard to do because when you get, really get to know your husband well, you realize just how imperfect he is. By the way, it's way, it's way easier for you to follow my authority in the church than you, for you to follow your authority of your husband in the home. You only deal with me a couple hours a week. And on just a few issues. Listen, you've got to deal with him all the time. I mean, think about... The glimpses, you get into the big array of my own imperfections, and yet you see all of your husband's imperfections, and and God knew that. And yet He established this order anyway. By the way, dear brother, if the only reason your wife follows your leadership in the home is because God said to, I'd be ashamed of myself. Now, Now listen, that's enough. But I really think you ought to make it your goal that you are going to do everything you can to lead your home and lead your wife in particular in such a way that you make that easier on her to do because of the kind of person you are and the kind of decisions that you make. By the way, dear sister, your submission is untested until you disagree with your husband. Until you disagree with your husband, you're just doing what you want to do. It has nothing to do with whether you're following rightful authority or not if you agree with what he's doing. Your submission its not even tested uh, in any area of life. Our submission to God is not tested until we disagree with what God wants from our life. And our submission to any authority, it's not even on display until we disagree. And then at that moment, we will know whether we really are following the authority God established. And as you will hear me say through this series with regard to every rightful authority, no husband is above God or God's Word. God Himself and the Word of God are the source of this authority, and no husband ever has authority to try to get his wife or family to do something contrary to what the God who wrote this book told them to do with their authority. By the way, teenagers, just to be really, really clear, this has zero to do with a girlfriend submitting to a boyfriend. Boyfriends, you have zero authority over her. Zero. None. Nada. Just to be clear. Now, don't get me wrong. I I think when you get in a really serious relationship with somebody and, and you're thinking about marrying them, I I think you ought to kind of try these roles on a a little bit. But this has nothing to do with boyfriends and girlfriends. And in the coming weeks, we'll spend some time talking in more detail about how a godly husband should lead his own wife and and how a godly wife can follow her husband's leadership and and help him uh, become a better leader in your own home. By the way, every man here you have the ability from God to be a good enough leader to lead your own home. Listen, every man is not going to be a brain surgeon. But every man can follow Jesus Christ and lead his own home. Everyone. And as long as our thinking is wrong about God's authority or authority in general, we will never have the kind of marriage that we could. Go back please to Ephesians. Let's go on to another area in our homes so we see that God established the authority of a husband over his own wife, now secondly, God established the authority of parents over their own children. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee and thou mayest live long in the earth. And ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Children, in verse 1 there, are very clearly told to submit to the authority of their own parents, to obey them. Now this is a submission of children to their own parents, not the submission of every child to every adult. Now I realize that in America for decades, there was a cultural tradition that pretty much any adult could correct any child, and I want to tell you that was just that. That was culture, that was not Bible. Now the Scriptures do teach us that whether we're a child or a teenager or an adult, we ought to have some kind of special respect and honor that we give to those who are elderly, but that is very different from being authority. Leviticus 19.32 says, Rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man. There is a kind of respect and honor that ought to go to those who are older than us. I realize that is countercultural, but, but that is what we're supposed to do as followers of Jehovah, as followers of Christ. But that is very different from authority. And I strongly suggest you correct your own children only. Unless you've been given some kind of permission from their parents to correct the children of others. By the way, let me also add, I believe it is selfish and short-sighted of any parent to decide that you are going to be the only authorities in your child's life. You are the chief authority. Establish that. That's of God. But you would be wise to establish other authorities as well, because someday... As much as you don't like to think about this, your child is going to have to follow authority other than you or they will not succeed in anything. God told us how a child living under their parents' roof should interact with their parents. And then God picked your parents. Remember when it comes to a husband and wife, uh, God says, hey, this is how I want a husband and wife to interact and you pick them. But when it comes to a parent-child relationship, God says, listen, this is how I want a parent and a child to, re- to, to, uh, to relate, but I'm picking them for you. But what God did is He did not make that authority permanent. Did you notice that in our text? Verse 1 says, children, obey your parents and the Lord. And then He's going to quote the fifth of the Ten Commandments. Uh, he says, honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Uh, by the way, honor is not the same as obey. Every child, if you are under the roof of your parent, and I don't care if you're 2 or 22, you should obey your parents. But once you're out from under the roof of your parents, you no longer need to obey them to please God. You need to honor them to please God. Those are two different things. Obedience is driven by a parent. You do this. Honor is driven by the child. I offer you this. And it is the first commandment with promise because it is the only one of the ten commandments that was strictly positive. All the other nine have a negative aspect to them. And in that one positive commandment, God promised to lengthen the life of those who honor their parents. And by the way, if you're here and you honor your parents, God lengthens your life. Now that doesn't mean you're going to live to 70 or 80 or 90. It means you'll live longer than you would have lived if you dishonored your parents. And if you don't want to obey your parents, move out. Become a fully functional, independent, responsible adult. Now, I do believe, and you may disagree with this, but I do believe it is wise on parents' part in our culture today, if your child is getting a skill or getting an education and serving the Lord and doing what they're supposed to do, I think it's wise to support them in that. Let them live at home. I have no issue with that. But I want to tell you this, uh, and our boys did that. Uh, We did treat them differently when they became adults, but they still were under our authority. If our kids would have ever said to us when I asked them to do something, I'm 18, I think I would have laughed out loud. (laughs) So what? You don't own anything. I'm 18. I'm 18. (laughs) Wow, you're still living with mommy. (laughs) I'm 18. Pay your own car insurance. Buy your own car. Buy your own food. Get your own place. Amen. Amen. Children become responsible and independent when they move out of their parents' home, not when they turn 18. And once you move out, you no longer owe your parents' obedience to please Christ. But all your life, you owe them honor. Amen. Now the reason children obey their parents is that God delegated some of His authority to parents or their own children. By the way, God did this knowing there would be no perfect parents. There never has been a perfect parent other than God the Father. And God chose to delegate some of His authority to parents anyway. See, parents are not necessarily smarter. Or sometimes they're not even more spiritually minded than their children. But listen, every home will be more stable and more peaceful if it's led by a godly parent instead of the kids. And by the way, one of the greatest problems in America today, and including American churches, is that children are leading the home. Well, we'd come to a conservative church, but our kids don't like it. Okay, that's good. And they so you say give your kids watered-down Christianity so they're happier. No, thank you. I didn't say don't ask their opinion. But listen, you lead your home. I want to remind every child here, no matter what age you are, you're living in your parents' house, your submission to your parents is not even tested until you disagree with what they want. As long as you agree with what they're asking, you're just doing what you want to do. But when you disagree with them, that and in that very moment, it'll be exposed to you whether you're really in submission to God's authority. This is not the submission of of a lesser to a greater, a dumber to a smarter. This is one equal submitting to another equal, To fulfill the plan of God in the home. Now before we close, I want to just show you a couple of examples uh, in Jesus' life that put this in perspective. Because as American people living in our culture today, this is one of the concepts that is really, really warped in the world around us. Go back to Luke chapter 2. I want to remind everybody, Jesus was perfect. He he didn't become sinless when, at about the age of 30, He began to do the work that God had sent Him to do. He was perfect all along. I mean, He was a perfect child. He was a perfect teenager. He was a perfect young adult, a young single adult. He was a perfect employee. He was a perfect follower of Jehovah. He was a perfect practitioner of Judaism. He was without sin. And many of you are familiar with the story that when he was 12 years old, because he came from a religious family, a family that believed in God, they would go there from Nazareth where he grew up, and they would travel down to Jerusalem for the three main feasts of the year. Godly Jews did that, and he and his family did that. And when he was 12 years old, you may remember the story uh, that the parents left with the family thinking that he was just with someone else, and he was left behind. And his parents, as you, uh, if you remember, they came back and they found him there in the temple asking questions of the scribes and the, and the Pharisees and the leaders and answering questions that they had at 12 years old. In verse 49 He says to his parents, How is it that you sought me? Wished you not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. Here it is. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. He was perfect and his parents were not. He was more spiritually minded than his parents he was smarter than his parents. And he submitted to their authority. By the way, Jesus, when you read or listen to somebody do some thing about Jesus being this rebel against society and against culture, that is not accurate. I mean, listen, Jesus said, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. By the way, that's a statement of his view of government. Uh, We won't take the time to turn there, but in Matthew chapter 23, He said to His disciples about the scribes and Pharisees, All that they say unto you, do. But do not after their works, for they say and do not. What was that? That was a statement of authority. There was never a time in the life of Jesus of Nazareth when he ever obeyed a human authority and disobeyed his father. That's the line. But as long as that human authority did not disobey his father, he followed it. Amen. Go back in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I realize that that's not the way we think about it. You say, well, I'm smarter than them. I'm 16. I'm, I know what I'm doing. No, you don't. No, you don't. Listen, when you think you know everything at 16 and 17, when you get 25, you're going to realize just how dumb you were at 16. And, you know, for, for those of you who are at that place in life, uh, when you turn 40, you're going to realize how dumb you were at 25. And you know, at my age, I have thought about this. You know what? Probably if Jesus tarries, uh, when I get 10 years down the road, I'm going to realize how dumb I was at 58. There's so much to be said for having a more humble view of ourselves and what we really know. But we saw how Jesus was as a teenager... Notice how He is in glory. By, by, by the way, Jesus is absolutely equal with His Father. I mean, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Uh, they're equal in power, equal in their character. They are the same. But notice what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and in verse 25. 1 Corinthians 15, 25. It says, For He, this Jesus, must reign, till He hath put all enemies under His feet the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he that's a father hath put all things under his feet, under Jesus' feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. In other words, the father is not under the feet of Jesus. Notice this, verse 28. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, unto Jesus, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Did did you hear that? Jesus in glory thinks it's no big deal to be under His Father's authority. One equal submitting themselves to another equal to fulfill the plan and purpose with which they created everything. And I'm going to close with this thought because I, I, I I, I want us to begin to think differently about this. God the Father does not expect His Son to grovel because He submits to Him. It's not what they do because they have a relationship. By the way, what God the Father wants and expects from His Son is that they would speak. Not grovel, not look down, because of their relationship. Listen, every husband and wife, I get that the husband is, quote, the the leader there, but your wife ought to feel the kind of freedom and love to just be able to talk to you. Not grovel, that's not biblical submission. No human authority, if they're right with God, wants anyone groveling to them it's kind of funny to me that people say Peter was the first pope. When somebody bowed to him, he picked them up and said, get on your feet, I'm a man just like you are. Right. See, godly human authority doesn't want those in submission around them to grovel. They, they want because of the relationship. And listen, as your children you know, get older, and it should be like this to a certain degree, even when they're younger, you know, they, ought, they ought to feel free to be able to express themselves, to talk to you. To respectfully disagree and then follow your authority. You say, why? Relationship. And if our thinking is wrong about this, we, we never embrace this whole thing that God established some rightful authorities, and in the home, it's a husband over his own wife and parents over their own children. Amen? If you would stand, you bow your head.